gentlemen, and welcome to the Scott Stedman Podcast. We're so glad to be back on with another episode, and joining me today is Micah Currett. Micah, how are you doing? I'm good, man. It's just uh, another day. I can't believe that we're, you know, almost through September already. <laughs> I feel like, well, the crazy thing, the crazy thing is people, and like, I, I think I might mention this, like, when we first moved, when we first moved here to Bexley, that... You know, Christmas is not really well celebrated here. You're in a Jewish community. Yeah, like I, we're we're in a very affluent Jewish community. Um, so we have Christians, we have Christian churches, and we have like three synagogues just in this little tiny community. So that's how you know it's an affluent Jewish community because there's three synagogues, which I found that out from uh, from a Jewish friend of mine. But the one thing that I thought was fascinating is how. Probably like two weeks ago, we were walking to school. My daughter started screaming. I'm like, what's going on? And someone in their tree had already had like a ghost and a skeleton hanging in their trees outside for Halloween. And we're not even in October yet. Like they're already, people are already starting to decorate for Halloween. Like they go big for Halloween here in Bexley. So I just find that fascinating. Um, but yeah, so it's been... <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, September is out it's out almost out on its way out the door and October's coming up soon. So yeah, man, like it's it's just wild, but I am enjoying the fall weather. I am it's nice not having the AC on. It's nice just having the open windows and a nice cool breeze uh blowing in like I'm literally um excited about that. Well, it's it's weird and I don't know if it's because I'm in school right now and I know that you're, you know, working on your stuff, but like um guessing scott has a halloween mug it's awesome um <laughs> the uh i just feel like time's going quicker and i don't know if it's because i'm you know in school right now and i'm you know i have something due every week like a project or a paper or something um for my classes but like it just seems like time keeps marching on and um i'm looking forward to the end of the year you know mainly because i graduate and finish with my degree <laughs> but you know in some in some respects it's going really quick and in other respects it's not. So because it's like I really want January to come here and I want to be done, but at the same time yeah. it feels like it's it's dragging in the moment because it's taking me forever to write this paper or do this project or whatever. But yeah, I do love this time of year. And the last couple of years in the state of Ohio, we've had a really, really, really nice fall with with temperatures in the sixties and seventies all the way through December. Um so yeah, bring it on. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. So instead of doing stories gone wild today, our topic today is kind of, um, I'm sure we could probably tell some wild stories about um, our topic today, but we're going to be talking away, uh, talking on the topic of subtle ways Christians are judgmental. Um, Maybe this could be a thing of passive aggressive. And if you remember from last episode, I shared that one story about the the two services and the uh, special, the guy seeing in the special and complaining, kind of making a subtle way of him not approving of being at the 830 service because the church is splitting into multiple services. And the pastor just kind of said, oh, well, here's the scripture. Wake up, oh, like, wake up, you sluggard or something like that, like. Uh, very petty, very kind of very judgmental when you really think about kind of uh, what was happening in that service. Uh, but I was thinking about that because I feel like in the age of social media, there is a lot of Christian 
memes out there, a lot of Christian, um, like little like pictures that have like little words or quotes that when you read them, especially if you read them outside of context, um, they can become pretty um, subtly judgmental in a lot of ways. And I, I kind of, um, and in some ways I kind of get to a point where it's like, um, do we really need to do that? And is it a positive? And I mean, are there some ways where maybe we do need to be a little judgmental? Um, so for an example, um, with, with, with that point right there is there's a guy that, you know, occasionally I see his videos when I'm mindlessly scrolling through TikTok on my breaks or when I'm in the bathroom or whatever the case may be. And what he does is he finds these like crazy videos of these things that are happening in services. And there is this one video where there's this pastor and he's speaking about blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you've seen this video or not, Micah, but he's talking about the idea of blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And the whole premise was because this pastor was called by God and that the spirit was upon him that if you criticize the pastor, if you argue with the pastor, if you disagree with the pastor, then you're blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. So this guy was basically breaking down this video and saying, okay, let's talk about what blaspheming the Holy Spirit really is. And he went and put the scripture in context, kind of broke it down and kind of said, and he said, you know, you criticizing a pastor is not blaspheming against the Holy Spirit, especially if you need to call, especially if you think that what the pastor is doing may be non-Christian like, and you need to kind of call it out. Like, but either they, like it may be in bad taste. You may not want to judge your pastor, especially if it's something like very petty, but no way, shape and form. Are you blaspheming against the Holy Spirit? And yet this person has gotten comments saying, well, why are you being so judgmental? Why being so judgmental? And, you know, his rebuttal was, I'm not being judgmental. I'm kind of trying to teach on what the, using this as an example and kind of teaching. And yeah, maybe I'm being a little bit judgmental of this guy's interpretation of what blaspheming of the Holy Spirit is, because I feel like it's incorrect. So there is a little bit of a judgment there, but I'm not really. And, and so in some ways, you know, is that, is what, Micah, what I'm explaining, is that something where judgment like that is okay? I think or would you a, even call that judgment, or would you call that like rebuking, or what would you call that? I think there's a difference between judgment and accountability, I think is what yeah. I would say. Um, I think we need to hold people accountable um, for things. Uh, yeah, I I don't know where you want to go with this this conversation. But... Well, so there's so there's that, and but then like I saw this meme the other day. I've been seeing this meme recently, and and it goes like this: It says, "Being a lukewarm Christian is so dangerous because you blend in with everybody and impact nobody." Okay, I, I okay, I like on the surface, I get what the point, but then it's the idea of well, because the reason why lukewarm Christians are people who blend in with everybody. And impact nobody. As I start breaking it down, I'm thinking, okay, who are some figures in the Bible who blended in with everybody? Jesus, 
Mm-hmm. Blended in with the Jews and the Gentiles and the Samaritans. Are you saying he didn't impact anybody? But he was able to blend in with people. Would I call Jesus a lukewarm Christian? Absolutely not. Even the Apostle Paul says, you know, I was, I'm all things to all men. Which the way I kind of interpret that scripture is he's trying to blend in with people, get to know them, to try to understand them, to understand culture, so then he can then proclaim the gospel to their lives in the for the spirit to transform them. So I guess on one hand, being a lukewarm Christian, if you're kind of lukewarm in your faith and you're just kind of blending in with anyone and not sharing Jesus, yeah, I can see that being a little bit, you know, you're not impacting anyone, but is that dangerous? Would I call that dangerous? At the same time, you know, I think about, and you know, I've already talked about my views of mega churches in some ways and how I'm not a big fan of mega churches. But at the same time, there's a lot of times where there's mega churches who their pastors or staff are very personal, are very engaging, are very understanding of people's life situations and the struggles that they have. And yet, even though they're kind of everybody can come, everybody can be a part, everybody can be, everybody's allowed to come regardless of whoever, but yet, they are leading people to Christ. They are making an impact for the kingdom. So would I say, so if I applied that meme to a megachurch pastor, would a megachurch pastor be dangerous because they're blending in with everybody and impacting nobody, even though people are coming to the Lord and their church is growing? Hmm. I mean, and that's just one. I mean, there's, <clears throat> there's a thousand, and we could be here all day looking at all well, of these subtle ways. I also think that too, that like you don't know people's lives. If you don't take the time to be in community with them and you don't take the time to know them and get to know them, like how do you know what their spiritual life is like if you don't know what they are like? Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, some of the most, most faithful people to the kingdom of God are the people that you don't hear much from, at least in my yeah. opinion. You know, they're the ones that have a really, really close relationship. They're, you know, they're very, uh, have these really intimate moments with the Lord and and, and they're very strong in their prayer life. And, um, you know, I, I think of my grandmother uh, mm-hmm. who's still alive. My grandmother has her Bible and a list of people that she prays for every single day that sits next to her chair. People don't know that, but like she's super devoted to the fact that she, um, feels a need to read God's word every day and pray for the people in her life and in her circle, her family, her grandchildren, her kids, um, you know, people that she, you know, she not from a judgment stance, Scott, but like the, you know, she's not sure if they have a relationship with Jesus. So she prays for them. Um, yeah. You know, on the other side, you know, it's, we did an episode recently on, on worship wars, but like, it just felt like there was this, you know, we can talk about judgment in that light in respect to like, you know, I'm younger. I want to go to this church, but I also want to make a difference. And I want to give people an opportunity to have an alternative to traditional worship and tradition and service. So we're going to start this other service, but we get this judgment from generations that have, have, have paved the way to make this church possible, which we need to respect our elders. And there's this whole like line of like, okay, are we, are we are are we crossing the line or are we actually investing in the future of the church? And yeah. it's it's to me it's very muddy, it's sticky, 
it's like you don't want to step on toes, but you want to advance the kingdom of God. And um, I feel like there was a lot of judgment during those years of my life where I was trying to get into ministry, be, you know, and, and we could talk about our positions too, like all the positions that we've had over the years in ministry. But like I've I've been in situations as a worship leader and I, and, and I don't know, Scott, you could speak to this too, but like as being a lead pastor, like I feel a lot of times that in my ministry over the last decade in worship settings, like being a worship leader on Sunday, like I never felt like I was going to do the right thing. Right. Because it was like, you're going to make somebody mad because you weren't singing enough hymns. You're going to make somebody mad because you weren't doing enough contemporary music. You're going to make somebody mad because you're playing in the guitar instead of the piano. You're going to make somebody mad because you, 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 you led worship too long and the spirit took over the service. And you're going to make somebody mad because, uh, you didn't let them stand up and share their 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 prayer request or their announcement or uh, that this person or that person died or uh, what why are the slides like this or why is the font like that or the spelling's wrong here it's like I always felt that sort of pressure whether I heard it directly or not yeah um, as a worship pastor yeah and, and I think that's and I think that's wild did you because... feel that as a lead pastor oh. Yeah. And not only that, like not only a lead from just people from the congregation of making sure not only and sometimes I think it's not necessarily about the topic you're preaching on, mm-hmm. but I think even some ways. It was. What I would be wearing. You know, if I'm dressed up in suit pants and a dress shirt, button down dress shirt, and I have my hair slicked back and I'm clean shaven but I'm not wearing a tie because, you know, for some reasons I don't like things being constrictive around my neck. Like it's just bothers me. It's like, well, how come you're not wearing a tie? Mm. You know, Oh, I'm not a real pastor. Cause I'm not, wearing that's another a tie. thing. Like, why are you wearing jeans? Why are you wearing, yeah, why are you wearing jeans? But, and it's not, but then here's the thing. Like that would be a subtle way. That would be like a, an explicit way of saying, Hey, how come when you're you know, it would be like, like, I think one time it was um, Easter and I was dressed up in a full suit and it was the one time that occasionally I wore a tie. And I remember after service, there's people who are greeting me, great service, great service, you know, and then there was one guy who just kind of said, man, you're looking like a pastor now. Hmm. Oh, I worked at the church years ago. <laughs> Where I was told that my job description was getting rewritten, and I was handed the job description, and part of it included the clothes that I wore. Oh that my I was no, gosh! That I was no longer <laughs> allowed to wear jeans on a Sunday morning because I usually wore like a nice set of jeans, nice pair of jeans with a nice button-down shirt, long sleeve shirt. You know, rolled the sleeves up, had a nice pair of shoes, and it's usually what I wore on Sunday. And like when I started there, the pastor was like, "I don't care what you wear." But there was a transition where he left and then I was, you know, one of the only staff members left that was a full time and was told basically that I had to to wear dress clothes and uh, was not allowed to wear jeans anymore. Mm. That's that's ridiculous. Like, oh, I don't know. And especially in a job description, that's really I mean, that's really kind of like the pettiest thing, like. I mean, when I think about job descriptions, it should be about skill, not about appearance. But there you go. Um, and well, and I, I think I mean, too that like it's 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 really frustrating too because like I, 
some of the things that we've we've dealt with and and have um been through over the last you know 10 plus years of our lives you and me both in ministry like i even feel today that i'm afraid to do certain things in my profession now as a result of like the post-traumatic stress that i've felt over the years like i'm afraid to take a day off because Mm. i'm afraid that i was you know like going to get in trouble where i was going to come back to church and not have a job when i came back or i am afraid to to call in sick because like i'm afraid that i'm gonna get in trouble or I'm afraid to wear certain things because it's like, well, you know, like I said earlier in the illustration, I was told to wear a certain thing, you know, a yeah. certain, certain dress a certain way or do a certain thing. Um, I'm afraid to speak up at times because I've been just shut down so many times in elder meetings and, and, and council meetings and staff meetings because my idea wasn't good enough or I was young or I was, uh, ignorant or brash in, in the way that I wanted to do things. And I really just wanted to advance the kingdom of God and thought that I had great ideas. Yeah. Um, and it's, well, even, it's... even, even that, like, I, I, I get what you're saying there. Cause even like today, like, you know, it's like a teacher in service day. And since Laura's kind of a permanent sub taking over a classroom for someone who's on maternity leave, she doesn't have to be in. So she has a day off uh, today. So it's like, and then Friday I have like stuff with CSRM because we have a, a CSRM retreat here in Columbus. So Friday, they're going to be coming over to the church on Friday, and we're going to be recording some podcasts live, which we haven't done in years uh, that be, be, since the pandemic. And it's like, okay, I don't work Fridays, but I'm going to have to work Friday because I'm having guests coming in. So I'm going to take Monday off. But even when I wrote my email to my staff saying, hey, I'm not going to be in the office Monday, I felt like I had to explain why I wasn't going to come in. Or before it'd be like, hey, I'm not coming in Monday. And that's all I have to say. And and even I think even my pastor would be like, you know, if you don't have to, if you don't want to work Monday, don't work Monday. I mean, you've been busting your butt off all summer and busting your butt off pretty much and still busting your butt off. Like if you need to take two days to like rest and rejuvenate, do that. If you need to take a day to go and work on your doctorate proposal, do it. Like you're doing a good job. Like you don't have to apologize well, for taking and I think it's, off. <laughs> and I think it's weird and and it's not weird, but it's like, it's just so different in higher ed and public education. Like in higher education, I get sick time and vacation time, right? Leave time that I get built into my contract where I work and I get so many days a year and so many, like so many sick days a year, so many vacation days a year and they just accumulate. Right. And like, if I don't use them, I don't lose them. Right. And they just keep, you know, building that, that bank up and um you know i i'm very fortunate to work in a position where i have mondays off from the university i i have to log in for a team meeting every monday but like i don't you know i i rarely have to take days vacation days or sick days because i'm off on mondays and i can do all the things i want to do during the week on mondays and then into the rest of the week i'm on you know in the office Mm -hmm. but like um you know, I've been in situations where the church wanted me to be there between certain hours, certain days of the week. And like, there was situations where I'm like, I'm going to go work at a coffee shop today, or mm-hmm. I'm going to go sit on campus where my wife works and work in the, the student union or the library or something yeah. just for a change of scenery. And people would be like, why isn't he in the office? Well, first of all, I'm part-time. Second of all, like, and they just, all the things that you would think in a situation, like in a, in a, a secular job go out the window when you work in a church, it's like, well, if I'm part-time, 
then you're not giving me benefits. You're not giving me leave. You're not giving me the things that you would get a full-time person insurance. Um, and there's always just this been, you know, it's more a post-traumatic stress than it is it, judgment. You yeah. Know, at least in my, in my respect, like, um, I think it's a judgment that led to having the post-traumatic stress too. And I think it's, a, it's like the water torture of trauma. Yes. And I think too, that like, I've learned how to navigate things better in my thirties than I did in my twenties. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And it's almost like you have to play stupid with people, right? Instead of getting worked up and still letting your blood pressure get high, instead of like, you know, getting in an argument with somebody, you're like, huh, I didn't know about that. Or, hmm, let me ask somebody about that and just really just play it down. Like, like you didn't know. Yeah. Uh, and it sucks because it feels like you're lying to folks, but like, it, it's, it, it's, it, it, I mean, you're not lying in a sense, but like, it's just, yeah. you know what I mean? But like, it's, it's better than stirring up issues 15 minutes before a service happens on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think, absolutely. too, like, I think it boils down to the relationships with your, with your pastor and your, your team, your staff, your elders, and, you know, who are the people that you can go to in the ministry that you serve and really rely on them and say, Hey, can I talk to you for a second? I'm not having a great day. Hey, can I talk to you a second? What do you think about this? Hey, pastor, um, are you okay? Do you have everything ready to go for Sunday? Are you all, you know, keeping that on in the constant uh, line of communication open? Because I've been in situations where it's not been that way, Scott, and the pastor will silo themselves and you don't, you know, they, they just cut themselves off from everybody else, staff, elders, et cetera. And they just kind of go rogue and it's um, that's a whole separate conversation. And it's, it's uh, you know, can cause a lot of division and stress among staff and, and, and leaders within the church. And uh, if you're not leading the church, then why are you the lead pastor? Um, But that's a whole (laughs) separate conversation. But like, I, it's amazing to me over the last 10 or so years, how much post-traumatic stress I've, I, I feel and I've shared in my in my journey over the last you know year almost year that like part of the reason I walked away from church you know not walked away from the church but walked away from it serving in a position permanently or mm-hmm. week to week in a church is because I just hit a wall and I couldn't do it anymore there's a lot of healing that needed to take place there was a lot of counseling that I needed to be a part of and go to and and, and treatment and and things like that where um you know, I just needed to get help. And I fear that pastors don't do that enough. Yeah. And uh, there have been moments in the last, you know, six, eight, nine months where I've had the opportunity to go lead worship on a Sunday and, you know, and earn an extra paycheck or, you know, and earn an extra couple hundred dollars to, to lead service, you know, on Sunday morning. And I'm, I'm getting ready the night before and I just can't do it there's too much stress or too much anxiety that goes along with that. And I have to just text whoever I'm uh, asked, you know, text whoever I'm going to help and say, I'm sorry. I just, I'm just not at a space right now that I can do that. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's just recently that I've been able to really say, Hey, um, I'll play guitar tomorrow or I'll play drums tomorrow or I'll sing with you or whatever. And, um, it's interesting. And yeah. we did that episode on, on, on worship 
the worship wars or whatever you want to call it. Um, and, you know, talking about multiple services and the worship wars and things like that. But then also, you know, I think churches now, um, and we didn't even, we talked about this off offline, you and me, Scott, but like, you know, I think churches now are to the point where like, I can walk into any church tomorrow and wear whatever I want and they're not going to care because I'm a body and I am a number to them. Yeah. Meaning that like their church attendance has gone so downhill that they don't care what I do as long as I'm there because I'm a number to them because they need people in their church because their churches are dying. I think the churches, I think churches have gotten to the point where it's like, Oh, we need to get over ourselves. And yes, there's still some tension and friction there, but like, Wow. That's a young family. I don't care what they wear. I don't care if their kids screaming in the back of the sanctuary. That's three more people. True. But I also, but I also feel like at that point, you're, it's almost like you, you finally are able to take the wool off your eyes and see that once everything has kind of gotten to the point where it has, where it's in a plate Mm -hmm. of, I wouldn't, I mean, I would never say where you couldn't turn around. I'm sure you could. But the fact that you're at that point now where you're like, oh, oops, we, we need to do something different. And, you know, I was, th- you know, we're, we're talking about this and it made me think of the scripture, which I don't know why the scripture popped in my head, but it's from um, it's from Luke 16 or I'm sorry, Luke 18, uh, nine, nine through 14. It's a parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And, um, and just for the sake of interpretation i'm gonna not say pharisee but i'm gonna say church leader because pharisees were kind of the religious leaders of the day and it says um in verse nine that jesus told the story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else two men went to the temple to pray one was a church leader the other was a despised tax collector the pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer um I thank God that I am not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers, lukewarm Christians. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And kind of going along with that illustration you gave, Mike, I mean, how many people are like, oh, well, what are you wearing? Like, oh, like, why why is that couple wearing, like, shirts with holes in it? Well, because they probably don't have money to buy new clothes. Oh, I wasn't even thinking that. You know what I mean? Like, I was just thinking, like, oh, they're wearing jeans and and a dress shirt versus, like, a suit and tie or a dress shirt and slacks or things like that. But like, you could take that a step further, Scott. Like what if they don't have money? What if they don't have food? What if they're homeless? What if they're drug addicts? What if they're alcoholics? Like, and you're, you know, to, you know, to go back to your scripture, like like, Jesus wanted to be with the sinners. And yet we've, you know, the whole point of this episode, Scott, is to, 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 to talk about judgmental people or judgmental Christians. But like, it's how many times, like I've been guilty of that. Mm -hmm. Certainly. Um, and it's, it's, it's very, very disheartening to, to think about, like, you know, I think there are people that in this world that are truly struggling and truly Mm -hmm. homeless and truly drug addicts, but like, 
if you can help them, why not bless them? Because we're blessed. Oh, yeah. And and not only that, but <clears throat> even just the idea of, and maybe I see this mostly among pastors, where it's it's like a measuring stick of how faithful you are or how much of a devoted Christian you are. So it's like, oh, well, not necessarily that I do. It, sometimes it could just be because, well, you know, even like smaller pastors have these things. Well, I'm better than those megachurch pastors because at least I'm faithful to the scriptures. That doesn't necessarily mean that all megachurch pastors are not. Or you could have some where, oh, well, you could tell that I'm doing a good job in ministry because I have three services and a church of 20,000. Uh, 20, so, you know, it's that... You know, and it's not necessarily the church size or the pastor, but I think there is a time where we have to check ourselves and go, you know, maybe I should, even though I read this meme and I should post it, maybe I shouldn't because it could kind of be very condescending or it could be very hurtful to somebody who may be going through something. Um, and sometimes I can even hear like other former congregation members who will call me from the past who will say something to me and they'll ask me a question about something and I'll go, okay, like, can you give that, can you give me more details or give me more context? Cause like, A, what you're saying sounds pretty awful or it sounds pretty good to be true, but I want to kind of know a little bit more context because I don't want to just get to the point where I'm now starting passing judgment on, you know, the current pastor or the current church leadership because it's like, well, I can't really speak into that because I'm not there. All I'm hearing is hearsay. So I want to know a little bit more context before I can kind of give a good, rational, biblical wisdom and not be spreading malicious gossip or passing random judgment. Mm. So, you know, for me, it's always context is always key. Um, yeah, yeah, I think, I think okay. that it's, you know, I, I think that, you know, the bottom line is that like, you know, that what is it? Don't treat others how you want to be treated, right? Like the golden mm. rule. But like, I think the same thing goes for judgment. Judge others how you want you know, want to be judged. And, yeah. um, it's, it's amazing that, you know, um, time and time again, throughout Jesus's ministry, he's, he's, he's giving these illustrations of folks where it's, <laughs> hello, these people get it and you don't, and the high and mighty don't get it. Yeah. And it's, it's very, uh, I don't know, not frustrating, but like, it's, it's disheartening that, you know, the, the the people in the church that have been to the longest are some of the ones that miss it mm -hmm. rather than the people that walk off the street and they need that transformation in their lives. Um, and we've talked about it time and time again on your show about great commission and walk, you know, go out into all the world, make disciples, right? It feels like we're just stuck on our high horse sitting in the, sitting on our throne. That is the pew in our suits and ties and in, in the sanctuary at the church, singing the same songs, listening to the same message, listening to the same thing over and over and over again. And not, you know, my wife says it all the time. What's the definition of insanity? Doing something over and over again, expecting a different result and you just don't get it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, some would say that churches don't get it. Mm 
but you know, who are we, Scott? <laughs> yeah. Who are we? But yeah. Yeah. Great stuff. So, um, friends, again, I think that's going to be it for us. So again, be careful with what you post on the internet, what you say to people, because it might be being a little judgmental and might be acting more like the Pharisee than the tax collector and had a parable I just read. So, you know, always make sure you check yourself, make sure you're always good. And uh, that's going to be it for us. So thank you so much for listening. And we hope you have a wonderful day. Take care.